continue to walk through some of the messier parts of our lives. Uh, as I said last week, I think this series is, uh, is a little bit more intimate because it, it hits close to home. All of us have something that we would kind of consider a mess, uh, and we're trying to cover the, the, the basics of all those. Uh, and so we've talked about our families being messy. Uh, last week, we talked about our schedules being messy. And uh, this week, we're going to talk about our finances uh, being messy. Uh, and so before we get into that, I'm going to read to you from Isaiah chapter 58. Uh, it's one of my absolute favorite passages of Scripture, uh, <clears throat> something that stuck with me for a number of years now. And uh, so I'll read it to you, Isaiah 58, verses 1 through 12, and this is what it says. Shout it aloud, do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their rebellion and the, to the descendants of Jacob their sins. For day after day they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its God. They ask me for just decisions and seem eager for God to come near them. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? Yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast that I have chosen, only a day for people to humble themselves? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying on sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen, to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor, the poor wanderer with shelter, when you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? When your light, then your light will break forth like the dawn, and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call, and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help, and he will say, Here am I. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves in behalf of the, poor, of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will shine in the darkness, and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs on a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. Uh, so this week, this week we're talking about finances. Uh, now, what do we do when our finances are a hot mess? Uh, I think I want to start with this. I think there are a few ways that this plays out. There are a few ways uh, that we would consider ourselves to be in a financial mess. Uh, the first is, that, is, is when we have nothing at all or very little to begin with. We don't have a job. Sometimes we don't even have a home. Uh, many people that I have met in Africa, in the Middle East, they live this way. There's, there's just nothing, all right? But there's also people like this right here in Goshen. There's, there's, there's not anything to sustain a person. 
That's one way we might be in a financial mess. Uh, many people are in what's called uh, the working poor. Okay, these are people who do work or at least seek to work, but even their jobs cannot keep them above the poverty line. They're trying, and sometimes they make ends meet, but they work their tail off just to get by on ramen. All right? Latest studies from uh, just this past year say that 61% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. And then you throw in a medical emergency, and that bill becomes... <laughs> then, we have, then we have the middle class and the upper class. Finances can be a mess there as well. Right? This is the group that works regularly, that we maintain a job and a home, usually multiple cars, but it's still just a getting by. Right? There are debts to be paid for the car, for the house, for college that weighs them down. Right? This, this, is the group, this is the group that makes me think of Dave Ramsey because he always says, uh, stop trying to keep up with the Joneses. The Joneses are broke. <laughs> it's a different kind of broke. <laughs> And I'm sure that there are a million other ways that we find ourselves in financial messes, right? Maybe, maybe we have a gambling addiction. Maybe we have some terrible life choice that has, has left us broke. The point is not how you became poor. The point is that there are a number of ways that we might be considered poor or in a financial mess. And I wanted to start there because I think before we talk about our financial messes and, and how we might start to get out of them, we have to have the right perspective on financial messes. Because perspective goes a long way. And, and, and I want to share with you a perfect example of this. All right? In Jesus' time, the time of God's people, Israel, all throughout the Bible, it was believed that poverty was a result of your sin. That if you had financial struggles, it was your own fault. <laughs> now, this logic made sense at the time, right? Because if you do what's right, God will bless you. And if you, uh, if you then do what is wrong, you will be cursed. It was a simple system, right? You please God, you do what makes Him happy, He pours out blessings upon you. If you do things that don't make God happy, He strikes you down, right? It's our... It's, it's the, it's the old, uh, it's our old view of Zeus, right? It's God hitting you with the lightning bolt because you did something bad, right? I can't tell you as a pastor how many times I have heard someone uh, who I have invited to church make the comment, well, you don't want me to go there, you know, the, the building would burn down or the lightning would strike and, you know, I get these comments because that's what we view God as. We view it as I've done wrong so God wants to punish me. So poverty Poverty was seen as a punishment. And we see this when, when Job loses everything. When Job loses everything, his friend's first assumption is that he must have sinned to earn his punishment. <laughs> and the same in that era was, was thought to be true of disease or disability. Right? If you had some chronic disease, you must have angered God. <laughs> This is why you see in the Gospels a little bit of like callousness toward the poor from the religious groups. Because, because if they had done something to bring it upon themselves, then they're just reaping what they sowed. <laughs> right? It's the will of God that people should be poor. 
So I shouldn't help those people. Now, it sounds really harsh, but if we're honest, we take the same mentalities today. Right? How many times have we had thoughts like, well, why should I help that drug addict when they make those choices? Why should I give my hard-earned money so that people without a job can be fed? Why don't they just work? We take the same mentality. We just shroud it in less religion. We have this thought that if people are poor, they must have earned their poor. But at the end of the day, it's, it's, a little bit, it's a little bit like the prosperity gospel to think this way. Right? It's the, well, if I do right by God, I'll be rich. And it's the, it's the other end of that spectrum. It's if I've done wrong by God, God will smite me. I'll barely get by. My family will suffer. And it's why when Jesus comes along in the Gospels, he completely blows their minds. Because when Jesus comes along, he doesn't, he doesn't look down upon the poor. He doesn't judge the poor. Jesus loved the poor. Let's... Look at just the book of Luke alone. I'll give you just a few references. When he reads the scroll on the Sabbath in Luke chapter 4, he reads that he has been anointed to proclaim good news to the poor. Then in Luke 6, 20, he says, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. That statement alone, (laughs) blessed are you who are poor, completely shatters what the understanding of poverty was. How can I be poor and be blessed? But but beyond that, how can I be poor and still get into the kingdom of God? Right? Because poverty is connected to sin, remember? (laughs) Then in Luke 14, verses 12 through 14, Jesus says this, When you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. And then in Luke 16, Jesus tells a parable where a poor man goes straight to heaven and is hanging out with Abraham. These these are shocking statements for a culture that thinks that poverty comes from sin. <laughs> see, what we don't see in Scripture, God is, we don't see anywhere where God judges people for being in a financial mess. He specifically tells his people to care for people who are in a financial mess. <laughs> See, if you identify this morning, if you identify with the poor this morning, I want you to hear this. So does God. So does God. And if you don't identify with the poor, you've got, you've got plenty. You have to know that there's a responsibility and an expectation even in Scripture from the Lord to take care of other people. Proverbs 14.31 says, He who oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker, but whoever is kind to the needy honors God. Or maybe you've heard it this way from a familiar voice, Whatever you do for the least of these, you've done for me. 
Deuteronomy 15, 7, if among you one of your brothers should become poor in any of your towns within the land that your, the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart or shut your hand against your brother. See, God loves the poor and the financially messy, period. There's no stipulations, there's no if they do this or but if they did that. God loves the poor and the financially messy. He doesn't care what you did to get into the mess. He doesn't care if it's your fault you're in the mess to begin with. God loves people, and that includes the messy ones. <laughs> Praise the Lord, because that's all of us. <laughs> and our scripture reading this morning from Isaiah 58 speaks to this truth. See, God's people had done all the right religious things. He says, look, you're, you're fasting, you're praying, you're seeking the Lord. And yet still God was frustrated with them. Right? They were, they were checking all the right boxes. And, and it's like you, he redirects them. He says, is this really what I meant when I asked you to fast, when I asked you to seek my face? Does it, did I really mean that you should just do these things and then ignore your responsibility to each other? He essentially says, if you really want to find me, look among the poor, look among the oppressed, look among those in prison. If you really want to find me, look among them. So I, so I offer that this morning because I want you to have perspective before we get into trying to solve some of our financial messes. Because I think one of the biggest things that keeps us from solving our financial messes is that we feel ashamed about our mess. But scripture, in Scripture, there is no shame. <laughs> There's only a recognition that all of us, in one way or another, have a mess that needs resolved. Now, Scripture does have a lot to say about how we use our money. There's a lot. <laughs> uh, and admittedly, a lot of that is advice and strategies to stay financially solid so that you don't get into a financial mess. So what do we do if we're already in financial trouble? What do we do if the bills are already behind, if we're already losing money regularly? What do we do? So I really prayed about this one this week because I want to be helpful, but I also don't know your specific financial messes. <laughs> I don't know any of the details. So, so what direction can Scripture give us when we don't know the details? And what I kept hearing this week as I, as I prayed, because I'm, I'm a very practical, like, task-oriented person. So what I wanted to come and do was be like, you got to set a budget. You need to get a better job, <laughs> right? Like, I'm going to give you all this great advice on how to get your finances in order. And I kept... I kept getting tugged away from that. <laughs> and I kept wanting to go back, admittedly, okay, right? Because like sometimes I say yes easily, and the other times I'm like, God, but are you sure? Are you sure? And I kept getting tugged back, like, this is my comfort place. These are, these are action steps. And what I kept hearing instead was God saying, just love and encourage. <laughs> just love and encourage. People, people in a financial mess, they don't, they don't need your strategies, because let's be honest, if you want strategies, I am not the person to help you. <laughs> What people need is to be loved and encouraged. 
So that's what I'm going to hopefully do for you this morning. What I want to do is if you find yourself in a financial mess, I want to love you and I want to encourage you with two pieces of advice. Two pieces of advice that you've probably already picked up on this series before, because if we're being honest, a lot of our messes are solved the same way. (laughs) So my first piece of advice for you is this. Take your mess to God. Take your mess to God. Now, we can be extremely fearful to to take things to God, especially in our mess, right? Because our, our logic goes this way. It says, I'm in trouble, better not let dad find out, (laughs) right? I've done something dumb, better not let dad hear about it. Instead of, I'm in trouble, I better find dad. (laughs) We, it's it's like uh, we don't process that God already knows. He already knows that you're in trouble. He already knows what you did to get in trouble or didn't do to get in trouble, But part of this in our finances specifically is that we're either ashamed or defeated, right? We're, we might be ashamed because our decisions have landed us in the mess to begin with, right? If we're being honest, sometimes we make some really bad decisions. But we might also feel defeated in going to God because we feel like the mess we're in is nothing we've done, Right? We, we, had a, we had a steady job. We were working hard. We were good at what we did. And then the economy tanked and layoffs started. We didn't do anything. So we feel defeated because we've tried hard to avoid mess and to get out of a mess we were already in. And we're, if we're honest, we're a little upset with God because our efforts were not rewarded. <laughs> like, God, I've done all the right things and still I'm here. I want you to know this morning that God is not afraid of your financial messes. He isn't afraid of your family mess, your scheduling mess in the last two weeks either. But this week, you need to know that your mess is not too big or too complicated for God. But you also need to know that there is no need to be ashamed when you come to God. Romans 8 says, Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Jesus says, I didn't come to condemn the world, but to save it, right? In other words, he's not here to shame you because you have a financial mess. He's here to help you fix the mess, right? He didn't come to condemn. He came to save. So, So if you find yourself in a financial mess, take the mess to God. See, prayer prayer should be an absolute staple at the top of anybody's to-do list when things get messy. (laughs) I just thought of a a, uh, John Wesley quote. He he wrote once that uh, he had so much to do today that he couldn't help but spend hours in prayer. I have so much to complete. I have so much I need to do. I have so much of a mess. Imagine if our answer was, my life is a mess. I need to go spend hours in prayer. Now, most of us, that gives us anxiety because we've never spent more than about 12 minutes in prayer. (laughs) To think about praying for hours on end is like, 
But no matter how you pray, it doesn't matter how long you pray or what words you use, right? This is true of every single topic in our life. If we have a need, if we have questions, seeking the Lord should always be the top thing on our list, right? You don't need specific language or wording. You just start talking, <laughs> right? Think about this. If, even if you, take, if you were to take God out of the equation, right? You're like, I don't, I don't pray, okay? What's the first thing you do? When you, when you need help, what do you do? You go to your most trusted person, and you talk to them, and you try to figure out how to get out of this thing, right? You go seek wise counsel. Well, guess what? There's not wiser counsel than the Lord. <laughs> and I want to tell you, if you've never done this before with your financial struggles, if, you've, if you have never prayed about your financial struggles, we will walk with you this morning to help you start. Okay, we have, we have people here who would love to walk with you toward the Lord in prayer this morning because you are loved by the Lord and he wants to help. Right, he wants to help. So if, you've, so if you're in a financial mess, step one, take your mess to God. But step two is this. This is the harder one, I think. Ask someone else for help. Ask another person for help. All right, the church... The church is this beautiful community because we have people who have been there and done that in just about every situation you can imagine. We have people who are experts in various fields. And man, I'm thankful for that. <laughs> right? There are people in this room this morning who have the skills and gifts that can help you to walk out of a financial mess. Proverbs 15.22 says this, Plans fail for lack of counsel but with many advisors, they succeed. See, and, and with this step of seeking wise counsel, seeking an advisor, it's often harder than the first step because we hate to admit that we need help. And that starts with God, right? Because we don't admit to God that we messed up, but we really don't have to tell somebody who's going to look at us right in the eyes. We really don't have to tell them what we've done or how messy my life has gotten. Which is so funny because historically for us, you know, we come from a, um, a Methodist vein and, and Methodism was built on, on class and band meetings. And in these meetings, people would sit and they would tell each other answers to questions. And usually the first question was, how have you knowingly sinned this week? And you would actually tell the person sitting across the room from you what sins you'd committed this week. Now, if you're anything like a normal person in church this morning, you're going, huh, good luck with that. <laughs> I'm not telling anybody what I did because <laughs> our first instinct is to hide, right? And it's, but it's the same thing with this. There's something about this, this stigma that if we have a financial mess, it, it was probably my fault. I did something to earn it. I don't, don't want to tell people that I'm in a mess. And we put up these pretenses, right? It's why Dave Ramsey's quote about the Joneses rings so true. Because in order to look like you have money, you have to actually not have money. We put up these, these shows of who we want people to think we are. And I'll tell you, in the era we're in right now, social media makes that way easy. But it takes courage to ask for help. It takes courage to ask God for help. And for most of you, it's going to take a move of God himself to get you to ask another person for help. 
We've been ingrained to believe that we have to pull ourselves up by the bootstraps, right? That we have to put on our big boy pants and do this thing ourselves. And we're wrong. <laughs> In Acts chapter 2, we learn about the early church and what it looked like. I like that, that section a lot in Acts chapter 2 uh, because it tells us how simple the church was at that time. It was, it was so much less complicated. But in verses 44 and 45, it says this. It says, All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Now, does that sound like an every person for themselves mentality in the church? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. See, you're part of the church, right? The church, that means that you are part of a giant team, not just in this room, but a team that extends to almost every corner of the globe. It's the enemy that wants you to feel ashamed and defeated and alone so that you don't ask for help, so that you don't tap into this great resource that's been given to you. That's not, it's not the Lord. The Lord has placed people around us who can help. So if you're at a place this morning where you could use some wise counsel, somebody who, who will walk with you, somebody who knows what they're doing, we can help you. Because I know people in this very room this morning who have the gifts and graces to help you. Sometimes we do need the help with the logistical things. We need somebody to hold us accountable to creating and sticking to a budget. We need somebody to help us craft a resume so that we can get a better paying job. We need somebody who can help us create a sustainable plan for conquering our debt. But sometimes it's just simpler. Sometimes we need someone who's willing to pray with us and to just be with us while we navigate it. the worst thing that we can do when something is messy, when something is difficult and we can't find, figure out our way, the worst thing we can do is withdraw. Because every problem gets worse and is amplified when we get isolated. You guys know that's why COVID was so hard, right? <laughs> because suddenly you, you weren't legally allowed to be with someone else. <laughs> And we were isolated, and every problem gets worse when we're isolated. Everyone. And your finances are no different. When you're trying to conquer a debt or when you're trying to get on the right side financially, my goodness, doing it by yourself will be impossible. But if you can take your mess to the Lord and you can get some wise counsel... We can conquer financial messes. Finances, financial messes are nothing to a God who has limitless resources. They're nothing at all. And either way, whether, whether you're in need of taking it to God for the first time this morning, or if you're in need of some wise counsel, either way, the church is the place where you can find it. And you can start this morning. So I'm going to pray... And then if you need either of those two things, if you need help 
going to the Lord with your finances because that, that idea is hard or terrifying to you. I'd love to pray with you. But if you're someone who says, look, I, I need someone to walk with me through this season, I know people who can do that too. Either way, I want to encourage you during this next song, come up, find me. I can get you plugged into the help that you can use. Let me pray. God, sometimes life throws us curveballs. And, and sometimes it's very straightforward. So sometimes we make decisions and we know they're going to be bad and they are bad. And then other times we do all the right things, we work hard, and still the layoff comes. So Lord, I pray. I pray for those in the room this morning who have struggled financially, who have struggled to make sense of the struggle. God, I pray that you would meet them here this morning, that you would speak into their hearts, speak into their minds, God, meet them. And I pray that you would provide for every need as we all seek to put our lives on the right track, to do the right things financially, to, to get out of our messes and to stay out of messes. Guide us, God, in the way that we use our money, in the way that we earn it, in the way that we give it. Guide us, Lord, as we seek you out this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.